stop having so much fun. You know, you know how I feel about that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for hope. Plans for your future. Not to hurt you, but to, to help you. Right? Now we know that that promise was given to Judah at a time that being a little naughty, but it's also applicable for believers today. Amen? Uh, who loves Tim? Now, if you don't love Tim, seriously, get out. That's for real. I've known you, I've been knowing you for four or five years. The, the authenticity, the openness of this person, uh, we, I love you, dude. It's a bromance. It's a little uncommon because I usually go for cooler people. <laughs> so does he. But I love you, dude. And to see you go through this thing and not, not derail, to not uh, hide from it, to not put up you know, defenses like we do as men, it's uncommon. We salute you or the Christ in you. So would you guys pray for me, and then we're going to talk about joy. Father God, I pray that you would give us all ears to hear. Lord, speak through me tonight. Your servant, Lord, just your little errand boy. Lord, so I pray that you would use me tonight. Uh, we want to be closer to you. Explain to us what joy really means. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier, before service, I had a conversation with a, a person that's, you know, new to the faith and kind of growing in faith. And he's, he's going through Exodus and going through Genesis and all this, which, you know, chronologically. And I said, you know what, you're going you're gonna to love Jesus even more by the time you get through Leviticus. <laughs> you're going to understand why we say hallelujah and we're so grateful that when Jesus said, it is finished. Not one jot, not one tizzle be left out of the law. He came to satisfy the law. Not to abolish it, to lift it and fulfill it. So Christians, we can boldly come before the throne of grace and say, Lord, help me. Your very present help in time of trouble. And we are in trouble. But somehow through this, we have this, this joy unspeakable. We don't get it. I bet a lot of your friends, your, your, your heathen friends or your carnal friends, they don't get it. Why are you guys always up there celebrating this stuff like, like it's good? Because it is good. Because we recognize we're not home yet. And we're just passing through this thing. That's part of what joy comes from. Anybody like to garden? Two people? Becky, you like gardening, right? Anybody like to garden? What's wrong with this church? Rob's talking about having a community garden so we can all share in the Lord's bounty. But Len and I decided this year for the first time that we would grow legal, or grow a, <laughs> we would grow a garden. Now, we were novices, but the point of a garden is to have what? Fun? I think the point of a garden is to have fruit. I think. I think the point of a garden or having a, a prune tree or... Do you have a prune tree? Is it, no, it's a, it's a, it's a plum tree. <laughs> Whatever, prunes, I'm getting old, so you know I've got to think this stuff. <laughs> but my point would be, the point of a garden is not just to garden for gardening's sake. The point of a garden is to grow fruit 
We want fruit. Well, we started this thing out. And the first thing we did, <laughs> my buddy uh, who does our lawn, he's just a great guy. I love him. He's a Latino brother, and I, and I think he's going to come to church with us one day. But he's, he has Bible studies at his house. And he was, uh, uh, we got these round things from, from uh, Rural King for about a thousand bucks or something ridiculous, whatever they are. And then we had a whole truckload of dirt brought in for another whatever it was. I was like, and he goes, I got to ask you, why don't you just go to Walmart and buy some fruit? Wouldn't it be easier than doing all of this? I go, then we missed the, uh, what are we missing? I don't know. Why don't we do this? The fun. But, you know, I've heard it said from people that know how to garden in your first year, you're, when you're new to it, don't expect a whole lot of fruit. It's going to take a little bit of time to figure it out. It's going to take a little time of, of taking things out, learning how to weed, and all the things that happen in gardens before you actually bear fruit. But that is the point. You know, when you were saved, God saved you to bear fruit. Evidenced by the fact that you're still here. If you were saved just for the sake of saving, you would say, you're saved, poof, I'm out of here, right? But you get saved and you're here for the next 30, <laughs> wouldn't it be great? Everybody's like, that would be really fun, wouldn't it? Just saved and you're out of here. doesn't work like that. You were left here to bear fruit. So, last week, Barry talked about love. And i got to be honest, Barry's pretty good at that love thing. Uh, that's why we give him all the difficult people. I will say this. When we were downtown, <laughs> this is still a special church full of special people. Amen? But downtown, it was actually specialer. My buddy Chuck, uh, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church, a big church, and he was down there for three months before I knew he was a pastor, which I thought was really cool. I didn't feel the need to go out and, and act like a spiritual giant in front of me. But he said, man, i never seen anything like it. You just honk the horn on that bus, and they come out dread. <laughs> he goes, they like hook arms and like hook legs and peg legs, and it was just a beautiful thing because, you know what, that's what true joy is. When we're all the, I used to love seeing like my homeless friend, Graybeard, serving next to a lawyer, like serving God together because you know that the, the, Jesus came to tear the, tear the curtain and knock down all the walls to separate us, right? And ever since then, man's been putting up walls to keep us apart. Blue collar, white collar, black, white, pink, purple, halves, hats, knots, and all this stuff. But you know what? The way up in the kingdom of God is down. The only thing I can think of, I thought about this. I was trying to take a nap earlier. And I kept hearing the phone go off. And I was thinking, you know what? It's the only thing I can think of to be free, you become a slave. To be rich, you become poor. <laughs> to have a real life, you have to give up a life. You know, the way up is the way down in the kingdom. But when you do all that, you're giving the fruits of the Spirit. Talked about love last week. Barry had this little thing, and we'd say, hey, dude, I, 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 we just can't deal with this guy. He's with you now. Barry ended up having a 400-person congregation downtown because we couldn't deal with them all. But I, did you guys enjoy the love? Did you guys get anything out of it? Did you carry it over to the next week? Or just like, great job, Barry, really wonderful deal. And then you go out and you don't love anybody? Thank you. Did you love somebody in the name of Jesus last week that maybe is a little bit unlovable? Don't you dare point at me and say, I did you. <laughs> second fruit of the Spirit, and I think it's cool that it's second, is joy. Came up with the definition. 
kind of a hybrid definition of what joy is. The state of delight and well-being that comes from trusting God and walking with Jesus. You guys get that? The state of delight and well-being that comes from trusting God and walking with Jesus. You know, uh, scientists and, and smart people uh, can, can map the brain out and they can tell where anger and they can see it like spotting. Like all, whatever they do, they can actually pinpoint it where it comes from. Joy is not when they can't figure it out. They can't figure out where this joy comes from, right? God's placed eternity into the hearts of men. He placed it there from being. Every man's been given a measure of faith. Every man, woman, has been given a measure of faith, right? But they can't figure it out. I just don't understand this where this joy comes from. Because you can have joy. You can't have happiness is from the outside. We know this. It's elementary. Get a new car. Boy, I'm just so happy I got a new car. I don't have a new car, but if I did, I'd know I'd be happy. Right? I don't have that stuff. But you can be, uh, you can't be, uh, like, uh, for instance, joy can coexist with other emotions. Joy can, over, can coexist with hurt when your family's going through struggles, like the tornado. They can, but you can't be happy and go through that at the same time. It's completely different. You can have joy... Uh, when, you're, when, you're, when your kid's being an idiot. But you can't really be happy while your kid's being an idiot. You can have joy. It coexists with a lot of things because it's something that transcends what's happening outside. It's coming from inside. And it's coming from knowing I have peace with God. And no matter what happens, He puts up with me. And you guys may not like me. I'm cool with that. Some do, some don't. I need to talk to you after church if you don't. But God loves me. God likes me, just like I am. He likes you, and he loves you. And <laughs> We're doing this little study with my daughter, Amanda. And, you know, let me say this about people that, uh, I'm not going to say that, but the implication you'll understand. Rick Warren. <sighs> I can only speak to what I've read. The Purpose Driven Life book changed my life. I've read it four times. There's one or two things that I have to disagree with them in there, but not enough to divide. But I love people, armchair quarterbacks sit back, and they, they just look for, oh, there it is. Ha! But my daughter's reading it now, and she's being interested in getting an intimate relationship with God. And the book is helping her. Right? It's helping her. So we agreed as a family we'd walk through it together, even though I've done it. Five times we're doing it again. But she said this, something struck her today in day nine or ten, chapter nine. She said, it was profound to me, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that God likes me. Because we throw away around that word that Barry was using last week because it's in the Bible about love. We've forgotten it's what it means. It means way more than we say, I love my car. Oh, I love my church. Man, I just, I love the Cardinals. I love the Blues. Grandson had a Blackhawk jersey on today. I wasn't happy about that. You know, I got that underlying joy that supersedes all that stuff. But I think it's really cool that when you think about how much God likes you. And most people, if you're honest, you would say, I don't know if he really likes me. I know he loves me. He died for me, but can't possibly like me. 
He likes you just as you are. And like the book said, he's seen all these phases of your life when you were a baby, when you were a toddler, when you were a teenager, when you were a young man or young woman, and he liked you through every phase. He may not have liked or loved what you were doing, but his love was constant and he liked you. Isn't that amazing to me, right? And then the cool thing about it was, I'm looking up, I'm thinking about joy, and uh, joy to the world, the Lord is come, right? But I found a picture. To me, just sums it all up. If you, you know, because we like examples. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? So you have people we've talked about ahead of you, people you're locking arms with, and you know, people you're bringing up behind, right? As we're a body, when one part of the body hurts, you can bet we're all hurting. That's what the body of Christ does. When one part hurts, we all hurt, and it spreads out that pain because we're with you. We don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it feels like, but I can tell you I empathize more now than I would a few years ago, right? But I just happened to come across this photo definition of what joy might look like personified. I found it. Katrina and her, her cracked uh, team of researchers and all, you know, this stuff. However she does what she does, found it, and there it is. There she is. Whoa, is that crazy? Right there. Right. That's her. Danny Campbell did good. I don't know how that happened. He got blessed, amen? That's grace. But I've seen this woman walk through loss, tragedy, despair, heartache. I know the story because we've been together for so long. And through it all, she has a grace, a dignity about her that cannot be explained because what it is is joy. You, you, can't, you can't explain it. But you spend half an hour with her. She's never here except for when she's worshiping. Then she's on that mountaintop. Amen. She's just steady rolling. Just steady rolling. And here's, it's bared over the course of time. Anybody can fake fruit for a day, a week, or a month. But when you've been walking with somebody and they exhibit joy all the time, you know why? Because she spends time with Jesus. She's remaining in the vine. Right? Some people get joy only when they beat me on the golf course. And that only happens once in a little while. There will be a rematch coming, my friend. Turn to your Bibles to John chapter 15. Rob's like, that was me, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. There's a rematch coming, you Briggy. So, I mean, th this uh, chapter, before you do that, let's do this. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. I think it's 14 to 15. Well, let me, I think it's, hold on a minute. 15, 16? Okay. I think it's verse 15, 16. Okay. Yes, chapter 11, verses 15 and 16. You guys understand we're not home yet, right? Actually, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Just relax. It's okay. 
I'm going to pick it up at 13 and read a little bit. Now, this is a, a great example. This whole chapter is called the chapter of faith. All these incredible heroes that did all of these things, you know, fought lines, and he did all these things, and God's bragging on them, like he's probably bragging on some of you guys in this room, right? Where are you going? Oh. Well, that was good and honest. Thank you, Jeanette. Verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. This sucker is packed with promises. That's where our joy comes from. In spite of everything we're going around, going on, we have this joy because we believe and we trust God in the promises. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Guess what you guys are? foreigners and nomads here on this earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. We're not going back to where we came from. There might be some day trips when we were just kind of losers and we slip and trip. Not in this church. I'm just talking about other places. But there are times when you look back, right? But we're not going back. We're longing for a better place, right? But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Now watch this. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Not only them, guys, but us. You know what? It, it, sometimes because we're here, we just think that this is all there is. This is not all there is. It's so temporary, right? It really is, and I think uh, my preaching has changed because I'm nearing home. I, I, I'm getting closer to being with Jesus. If heaven wasn't a place and Jesus were all that was there, I'd be cool with that. I'm not looking forward to the gold streets. I'm not looking forward to getting some super mansion. I don't really care. I'm looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face. I feel like those little kids. And I'm full. I'm closer now than I was back then. And when we get there, it's just a start. That's our hope. That's our joy. So no matter what happens, is that great news, guys? I think it deserves a bigger amen than that. Amen. Yes, that's a, big, that's a big fat stinking amen. Amen is what it is. Right, right. It's a big amen because we're not there yet, but we hope. Okay. Now, John chapter 15. This is Jesus' last few hours here on the earth. And you've heard me say it before. And this message is not about this, this dialogue as much as it, where does joy come from? What is joy? Right? If I were to, with Lynn, if I knew, hey, man, I got like just a handful of hours on this earth left, I'm going to be able to, well, Jesus, he could share his heart easily. <laughs> you know, but men, we're, we suck. If you're a man, raise your hand. I suck. But I'm getting better. And I'm going to, I want to share with my wife and people that I love, 
intimate things in my heart. I'm going to try. I'm not good at it because we want to do this, right? Because we're stupid and we're bullheaded and we're obstinate and we're stiff-necked. But if you knew your time was coming, what would you share with your wife or the people close to you? You'd open up your heart and share the most very important things possible. Jesus talks about grapes. <laughs> Jesus talked about uh, grapevines. Why? Because there's a lesson. 15, chapter 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. My dad had a... Uh, in fact, Barry, remember... Uh, uh, having the great fight with Mark Rogelski when he had the white overalls? We smoked that dude. We teamed, that's how Barry and I do it. We weren't that tough, so we teamed up on people. That's how we do it. We're like little pimples, right? Mark Rogelski come over. We go out to my dad's grapevine. We took grapes on. They were big, fat, plump juices because he learned the secrets to gardening. And we did pow, 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 pow. Mark Rogelski looked like that, that violet on Willy Wonka. Purple. We smoked him. He never came back in our yard again. I didn't like him anyway. But don't miss the point. The reason my dad had such great grapes, man, he was always out there messing with them, shearing them, cutting them back, and cutting all this stuff. I was like, man, you pruned it back to nothing, right? The point of pruning is not to, not to hurt the vine, it's to bring more fruit out, right? Because even this year, we had little bitty tomatoes, and I'm thinking, these weren't all the big toms. Some of those, these were like, well, what is, what's this thing? No, it wasn't a cherry. That's the point. <laughs> I want big, juicy fruit. I want big ones, right? I don't want those little little things. I want, and, and, and the other stuff, but my point would be during the pruning, who's been pruned by Jesus? Who thinks it sucks? Who thinks it's necessary? Who has experienced like after the pruning comes, like, wow, I have more joy. I have more kindness. I have more fruit. I have all this stuff because I got pruned. He chases those he loves. If you haven't been chased, the King James says you're a bastard child. Am I right? I didn't say it. That's what the Bible said, right? Or another version would say you're an illegitimate child. But we have a father, amen? And his name is God and his son Jesus. It's just amazing how he just... Pow, 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 pow. Now pruning and discipline can look the same. But they're not. Discipline is when you have been naughty. And then God takes you behind the, the woodshed. Pruning... <laughs> Pruning he's doing for your betterment, and I guess he's doing the discipline for your betterment too. But I think the challenge, and I read this great book, if you're being pruned and disciplined, they can feel the same. How do you get out of discipline? You can't. Just stop doing what you were doing, and sometimes the discipline will stop. Consequences will follow, but discipline stops. But the pruning, when you're searching, I haven't done anything, well, you just grin and bear it. And trust God that he's pruning you for a reason. He's pruning you to get more fruit. That's the object. Right? He wants more fruit out of us. Right? By the way, in regards to fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, all of these things. Um, I used to think as a young Christian, maybe, I, I tell you what I got. I got a whole lot of that, that uh, kindeth, but I got no love. I got no peace. doesn't work like that. When you have fruits of the Spirit, they all kind of should be growing and flowing. It's not like you go, I conquered love. Cool. I'm moving on to joy. Cool. 
Kindness, no. You should be all increasing at the same time. It's like all of it at the same time. It's not like, well, I've been following Jesus for 30 years, now I'm getting the self-control part. No. You get them all kind of at the same time. It might be an ebb and flow, but you should be increasing in all the fruits of the Spirit kind of simultaneously. Just tiptoeing through the tools. I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about that, right? So anyway... He cuts them off, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they produce even more fruit. None, we don't want any of these. We want the big ones. We want fruit, right? You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. He's talking to his guys. I have already spoken to you. You're being washed and by, the, by the word. Let me say this. This is a great. I love this illustration. I just love it. There's a little boy. And he comes to his father and he says, I want to I know how to read the Bible. And I, 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 I want to know God like you know God. Okay. The father says, okay, grab that bucket over there. And it has a rusty bucket, right? It's all gross and sick and disgusting. Mud all in it. And he goes, go down there to the creek and fill it up. Just trust me. I'm the father I know. Okay. Little boy runs down there, picks it up, brings it back. By the time he gets back to the father, it's empty. And he goes, okay, well, how do I know? I want to, you know, I want to know God. I want to know the Word. I want to know all these things. He said, take the bucket down to the creek, fill it up, and bring it back. Now, by this point, the boy's getting a little frustrated. This is twice now. I've done this twice. Go. Goes down there, brings it back. He does this all day long, right? And finally, the little boy is really frustrated with his father. He did not understand. And he's going, what is the point? He said, look at the bucket. When he looked at the bucket, the bucket was clean. The bucket was perfect. It was holes because a leaky vessel. But the doggone thing was clean. We're washed by the Word. You may not understand it. Some things you might be over your head. Sometimes you just, I just, this, this just doesn't make sense. You keep reading it because what's happening is you're being renewed in your spirit daily. It's cleansing you daily. And you don't even know what's going on. All your job is to do what I told you to do and remain in me and they just, oh, this is really dumb. i got to go up to that church again. They're going to do that group again. Oh, man, we're going to go back and have another Santa Fe. They're going to tell us to read the Word. Oh, golly. You know, though outwardly I'm wasting away, inwardly I'm being renewed daily. You know why I know that? Because when I'm bent, running down the stage and things are moving that never moved, <laughs> I can say I'm honestly looking forward to going home and getting a new body. Right? So, Keep reading the Word. If you don't understand it, it's okay. You can ask God for insight and understand. He'll give it to you. Because that's what He wants to give more than everything. Because He's developing a relationship with you. It's not about you conquering the Word so you can be buried. said last week, we know people that can divide the Word, but they have no fruit in their life. No kindness, no love, no patience, no joy, nothing. Because, but they can flat tell you the Scripture and beat you on the head with it, but they haven't led anybody to Christ in 200 years. They haven't served in their church in 300 years. They haven't given a dime to the cause in 300 years. And anybody that sees them would see no evidence of that they're even a Christian. We don't want that. You know what that is? I was trying to find some rubber grapes, and I was going to toss them out. Big, beautiful rubber grapes. And then I was going to toss a few out of the real grapes that were big and beautiful, but they were real. And then you would go, oh, this isn't real fruit. This is manufactured fruit. Really? Okay? I see Christians all the time. They have a moral code. 
They know how to do things right. In fact, they're probably living more moral lives than you and I, but there's no fruit. All they're doing is following a bunch of rules. They can get it right, but you won't go across the street and love on your brother. You won't hang out with anybody else except anyone like you. You won't come across the room to shake somebody's hand when they walk in the door and say, I'm so glad you're here. You won't do that. But boy, I tell you what, you can divide that word. You see, their doctrine straight as a gum barrel and just as hollow, right? That's the way it is. So, that's not like us, right? We're not, we don't want to be that. We want to be big, fat. Look at your neighbor go, I want to see you big, fat, fruity grapes for Jesus. Plump, juicy grapes. Whatever, you guys. Stop being wimps. I was thinking this the other day, and I was thinking about religion. But you know the funny thing about religion, and there's a particular one of mine, actually there's a few of them I have in mind, that they've mastered the, the craft of making morally uh, superior people with character, and they're great with family, and all of this stuff. But one thing they do, they've actually anesthetized, yeah, I just said that, their need for a savior. See what I'm saying? Their religion has made really good people. But the problem with making good people in their, in their success, they've utterly failed because they've stopped uh, pointing to Jesus as the only way to salvation. And that's a failure epically. I'm not going to get into casting stones. I don't do that, but you guys can figure it out. If you have a religion that points to your works or points to anything other than Jesus as the only reason, get out of it. Right? I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about a religion. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Another verse that says, abide in me. Right, if I went out to the thing, grow some tomatoes! Come on! Come on! It's dumb. Right? All I do is do it, we water him. I think Lynn talks to him, actually. I've seen her talking to herself. She does it a lot. But you can't, Yell things to get fruit. Your job is just to simply remain in Christ and He does the work through you. So you don't have to. He works hard so you don't have to. <laughs> Dow? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Tammy. You got it. You see what I'm saying? Remain in me and I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I used to think of that as a, as a younger Christian. I would say, what do you mean I can do nothing? I can go to work. I'll run this business right to the ground. I mean, run this business. I can go home, play with my wife, go home, play with my kids. You can do nothing of any spiritual significance in your life if you do not remain in Christ. Period. And the funny thing is, if you're in Christ and not remaining in Christ, you're the most miserable person on the planet. Who knows how much stuff can creep back into your life because you're not doing what he said to do and it's so simple and so difficult just remain in me and I'll remain in you apart from me you can do nothing simple isn't it everybody goes it's really simple but why don't we do it and I'm as guilty as anybody find myself daydreaming wandering off and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ sometimes it's really difficult right but that's our mark that's what we're trying to do Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I have a little note here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Verses 5 through 13. This could be a little bonus. Don't you love bonuses? Who loves to get a good bonus? This is one of those. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 13. And this pertains to what we just talked about a minute ago, about discipline. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. I'll stop right there. We've already talked about that. Verse 5. Yes, back in John. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, apart from me you can do nothing. Anybody been apart uh, from remaining in divine in this church ever? Look at your neighbor and go, I know you have. On a, uh, let's just say what it is. On a suck factor, a 1 to 10, what was that like? 10, 12. Horrible, right? Can we say that in church? It's dead. From our part of me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me, who this is, watch. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. There's our loving Jesus just shucking the corn. You know what? Just shucking it. Because if you're a Christian and you've been born again, eventually you will bear fruit. It will happen, right? If you're not bearing fruit and you haven't ever borne fruit and you've been doing this thing 15, 20, 25 years and you're following a moral code or some kind of thing, you're in danger. You're in danger. Nothing wrong with being on our best behavior. Amen? Right? Anybody ever been naughty? Anybody ever had the scars on your backside to say, I've been naughty? And then what do you do? I repent. And I come back. And Jesus, because he loves us, is like, oh, I don't remember what you did. See, that happened 2,021 years ago. When you died, all that stuff died with it. Right? Isn't that great? That's great news. Thanks, Lynn. Thought you'd like that. Stop it. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Um, wow, I just think I'd like a brand new... Uh, 58 camper, Lord. <laughs> delight yourself in the Lord, then he gives you the desires of your heart. When you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart match up with the Father's heart, and then you can go, Lord, I just pray that he would come to Jesus, or she would come to Jesus, or he'd get off to Oprah, he'd be nicer, or whatever. That's in accordance with his will, right? And it may not happen tomorrow. You hear Barry saying, God's favorite answers are no and wait. 
sometimes. But right? It's true, isn't it? So when you ask in accordance to His will, we want people in this church to be saved. We want people in this church when they come here to feel like this is a great place they can express their faith and learn and explore who Jesus is without being condemned because they don't believe like we do. That's what we want, right? I think that's in accordance with God's will. So guess what? He goes, yes, we will do that. Sounds great, right? Knew a fellow one time. And if you know this guy's name, everybody say it in unison when I tell you the story. Well, this fella came in the group. He was all cool and everything. We get that a lot around here. Uh, he was an atheist or whatever. There's no atheist. There aren't any atheists. God's place to turn in the hearts of men. Everybody's giving measure of faith. It was disobedience. That's what that was. Well, he comes to this group. I'm not here for anybody else but this person. Amen. He just kept sharing. I really dug this guy even though he was a real idiot. I loved him. I love him with the, the Christ in me kind of love. That stuff Bear was talking I love him, man. I love it. I love sinners. I love them because I am one. <laughs> but I've been redeemed, amen? This person had not. Anyway, we start talking. We're just conversing, having fun, and we're sharing stuff, and we're being authentic and not judging them and not getting I'll tell you what you need, boy. You know what you need? Get all the pins. That's what you need. It wasn't any of that. I just love you, dude. You're an idiot. For real. And if you were to die, you're going to hell. Oh, that's right. You don't believe in it, so I guess it must not be true. Whatever. He kept coming around. Kept coming around, right? And when he got baptized, he said this. Well, I didn't really believe like you guys did, but i got to admit, you warmed me down with love. Go there. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. There it is, right there. You got it. I put that. Woo, baby Christ and raised to new life. Hallelujah. That's that joy. You don't have to know it all now. It's not your job to know it all now. You just have your little part. You're only responsible for what you do know. But Agent Roger says, not only are you responsible for what you do know, you're responsible for what you should have known if you had been paying attention. Oh. When you stand before God, you can't say, I don't know, man. He didn't do a very good job busting down a gospel. No. We're held to a higher standard because we're teaching the word. Amen. But you'll stand by yourself. She's not going to be there. Lynn's not going to be, tell him, tell him what I meant, Lynn. Tell Jesus what I meant, you know what I'm saying? Tell her. No, it's going to be you. Stand with God. By yourself. And Jesus steps in. I paid his bill all those years ago. That's joy. Right? Thank you, Jesus, because a lot of us in this place have sinned a whole lot. A lot. You've been given salvation in Christ. For those that said yes to Jesus, you've been, you've been given a gift. To whom much is given, much is required. Deny yourself, repent, and get right. Stop wearing the Christian bag stop and, doing and, and, and living any old way you want. Right? Deny yourself. I'm, and everybody just, oh God, he's, just calm down. Right? I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, 
just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Get that? I like to really emphasize that. When I, when I get close to the word, I want you guys to really get that. I've told you these things so you'll be filled with my joy. Earlier, he had said, I've come to give you life and give it what? Abundantly. Jesus came not only to add years to our lives, but life to our years. Did you get that? I, I promise you, I'm bringing the camera up here next time. I'm taking a picture of what I see. <laughs> Especially on really, really hard teachings like that. Jesus came not only to add years to our life, but to add life to our years. Clean living's pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't clean living cool? Isn't waking up the next day and not feeling like somebody ran over you with a Ford pretty cool? Isn't it nice to wake up because of Jesus and go, I don't have to worry about what I did last night. I don't have to worry about, dude, you were awesome. I mean, you were an idiot, but that was really awesome. No more of that. Clean living is really cool, is it not? It's great. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Watch this. Talk about joy. Now you're my friends. Who's your best friend? <laughs> I told Lynn, I go, man, you're my second best friend for real. Jesus is my best friend. And so many times as my best friend as best friends do, you put them on the back burner because he's your best friend. You, you, you don't listen to your best friend because he's my best friend. He deserves our respect. He deserves us to try to at least follow his commandments, right? And that grace covers that. In other words, if you're deliberately living a lifestyle that's opposed to the teachings of Jesus, you will never be able to experience the joy that was purchased on the cross. You will not. Jesus said this, and I've said this before, and I'm going to land the plane. You'll love me if you keep my commandments. Oh, and I've met some Seventh-day Adventists that I've gone round and around with. Whew, Pete, I needed you there on this one, baby. We're about to get it. Right? In the spiritual sense. Just calm down. Anyway, uh, the word keep in the Greek would be a term, many of you have heard me say, I can't remember what it is. It's a nice Greek word that the fisherman would have been aware of when he was speaking this to them. That's why it's so important to know the context and what he was saying, how he said it. That's why we love the strong concordance. Sometimes what he's saying, it can be misconstrued. I don't keep his command. Man, oh, 
God. Hold on. I will keep... You'll love me if you keep my commandments. So here the fishermen are, and they're looking at the stars. They're out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're fishing. They get their boat off course. They look to the stars, and they keep them by bringing their boat back in alignment with the stars. When we keep Jesus' commandments, when, we, when he says, I want you to keep my commandments, when you're reading the word and it's renewing your mind, you're going to know when you're in error. Then you look up, you keep his commandments by bringing your life and your conduct, your behavior back in line with what Jesus was talking about. That's what he means by keeping my commandments because he kept them for you because you cannot. Right? Isn't that great? That's what, that's, there's some joy for you. He kept the commandments for you so you don't have to, you get to. Because when you die to yourself and you are crucified with Christ, he gives you the ability to overcome sin and when you don't he's like well i got you covered there you're trying and i'm gonna and you can ask god for a way out that little escape hatch that barry talked about right when you're getting ready to do something naughty and you hear that little he gives you a way out every time and help he wants to help you keep his commandments he's not going to give you something you can't do he wants you to call on him help me keep your commandments because i can't now you're remaining in me. Isn't that great? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Isn't that great? Yeah. Right? How many of you guys have ever been like, it was him? Pete, I know you have. Joshua, it was that guy in the back with the beard. See it in the fairest looking character? It was him. It was that guy over there. It was that girl. How many of you have been that guy? Yeah, you've been that guy. So when Jesus comes along and he says, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. You. Handpicked. Amen. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. Predestined you. That's amazing, isn't it? Chose you. Set you apart. So your lives can bring God what? Glory. All of these things. Yes, he gave you. We'll wrap up with this microphone because that one's driving me nuts. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will receive, so the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love each other. When you're living your life in Christ, Try this again, because I, I, I don't know how you do that, Barry. I like that. I got my, my hand, my hand talker. Let's just try to preach with no hands. Can't do it. Can't do it. Guys, uh, as we go through these gifts of the Spirit, um, love, joy, peace. I think we're talking about peace in two weeks, Barry, right? Kind of funny. Whoa. Barry's preaching on Christmas, and he's going to be talking about peace. Oh, somebody was orchestrating this whole thing, right? God brought peace to earth through Christ, through the birth of his son. That's perfect timing, bro, for real. Barry, act a little more excited. That's why Barry's my yang. That's why I get Lynn and Barry in my life. Can I get all spiraled out of control and Lynn and Barry calm it down? Ratchet it down, Turbo, right? Just, just bring it down, Turbo. I love you guys. 
we want you to, to, to uh, examine yourselves and say, Jesus, I don't really feel that love and joy and peace and kindness and self-control. I want you to help me. That's an agreement with the Scripture. That's the kind of prayers that he'll answer. Amen? Isn't that great? You guys could actually be nice people. One of the problems in a church like this, now one of the challenges is we come out of a tough, tough environment, some of us. Right? I mean, Lynn grew up on the east side of Manchester. It was really rough over there. It was a real challenge for her to be nice. Right? But all kidding aside, some of these things don't come natural because we're all coming from different backgrounds and we, we come from this time where you want... That's not, the, that's not the Jesus way. That's not the way of Christ. It's completely upside down. The kingdom of God is completely diametrically metrically opposite of the world's system of doing things. So as you're praying through this week on love and joy, ask God, hey, can you bring more of these, these gifts into my life so I can share them with others? Or maybe they'll see it through my cracks because you're a crackpot. Right? Crackpots for Jesus. And you allow other people to see the glory of God through your cracks. You're not ashamed, right? You, you're darn right. They are, brother. They are. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So you can comfort others with the same comfort you yourself have received. That's what's up. You know it. Guys, we love you. We're going to close in prayer and then hang out. Grab a cup of the uh, fancy coffee with the double shot latte. Lynn's on lockdown. She can't. <laughs> I'm watching you, Champagne. Uh, Deb? Okay. We're going to pray. Yeah? There's cake back there, too. Well, I don't know if we should. Huh? Well, my birthday's in October. I didn't get a dang birthday cake. Oh, I was on vacation. You didn't get one either? What's going on in this church? I'm offended. I think I'm leaving. I'm going to run out the door. Hey, we're having a big <laughs> day to you. Happy birthday, dear everyone who missed a birthday. Happy birthday to you. That way nobody's offended. I love you guys. Let's pray, and we're going to hang out. And then don't forget about breakfast tomorrow. These guys put a lot of, a lot of time in this, so make sure you come and eat a bunch of food. You know what? So maybe next time they'll spend more money. Amen. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that in this season, one of the main ways we can exhibit to have that joy have love, have peace and kindness and all of those things. Lord, help us, Lord. Uh, die to the desires of the flesh so we can live and operate in the spirit. If we don't, if we, uh, we need your help. Don't walk in the flesh and want satisfied desires here. Whatever. I butcher that. You know what I'm saying, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Walk in the spirit, you won't satisfy the desires of your flesh. That's what I was saying. And he knows because he likes me. Oh.